Episode 9, Unpacking My Boxes, Taking the L. For your reference, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Matthew chapter 5 verse 4 Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Joel chapter 2 verse 25 So I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the crawling locust, the consuming locust, and the chewing locust. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 1 to everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. Uh, last year when I was dealing with um, finding out that my ex-husband had um, been having affairs and um, had had outside children, my best friend sent me a clip of a sermon by Pastor Jamal Bryant. And the clip was from a sermon title I wasn't expecting the breakup how ironic of a title right and there were some things that uh, he said in that clip that not only um, do I still remember them but they really um, helped to you know kind of solidify and to really uh, ease my mind in terms of you know the pain that I was feeling and what I was experiencing and I just want to um, reference some of those things um, as my, you know, illustration or, you know, kind of the preface to this, this episode. One of the things that Pastor Jamal Bryant said was breakups are painful. Whether it's a six, it's a sudden end to a six week fling or a seven year marriage. The impact, another thing he said in this clip, was the impact is often so bad that people seek meds to numb the pain. And he, and what he, what he said with that was, oftentimes, where they're in need of Percocet, we, we try to give them ibuprofen. He also said the only thing um, he, that he had heard it said that um, the only thing that is closest to death and the pain that a person feels from death is divorce. And that's because the divorce makes you feel like a part of you has died. Love is the only thing we have all been hurt by, yet we still want it. He said that he had read in a study published by some um, you know, medical or psychological journal, journal that, um, that when people were shown pictures of their ex, it caused activity in the brain that registered the same as feeling physical pain. And also, he, he had read somewhere that it was said that breakups cause you to go through withdrawals um, similar to the, the physiological response as a person feels when they stop using cocaine. And, and so much so that even when you know the person or the situation isn't good for you, you still uh, crave it. So last week, we, um, I, you know, I uh, had 
um, one of my good friends who's also a therapist and she's also, you know, a woman of God, um, Shamika Green, we did an episode together last week that was, um, I called it Unpacking My Boxes, Good Grief. And we, we really dealt with grief in terms of having, you know, a loss, like someone passing away. And during that episode and during our, you know, our conversation with each other, one of the things that I had said was that gr- that we can grieve different things. Grief can come in different forms. And so that led me to this week's episode and that um, grief isn't always about the loss of a person, uh, the loss of life, grieving someone who has died. Um, the title of this episode is Taking the L, where sometimes the losses that we're grieving, the people are still here. They're still walking around. But somehow, some way, we have experienced something, the loss of something that causes us to feel the same grief that is felt when someone has died. So, uh, you know me, the teacher and me, I, I, I wanted to get a definition of the word grief. And of course, there were many definitions. There were, um, you know, similar definitions. And um, most of those definitions dealt with, you know, the death or loss of a person. Um, but the one I wrote down was uh, that the meaning of grief means deep sorrow. It's a keen mental suffering or distress over affliction or loss. We can find ourselves experiencing um, either sudden losses or just losses in general in the form of a relationship. So it could be, you know, like, Uh, Pastor Jamal Bryant referenced in this sermon, it could be the loss of a spouse, you know, from a marriage, so a divorce. It could be, you know, the loss of a boyfriend or a girlfriend, Um, you know, relationships ranging from any period of time um, is not necessarily an indicator of the, the, the level of grief that one will feel. If a person's um, emotions have been invested in any type of way, and then there's a loss of that relationship, there will be grief. Um, there can be grief over the loss of friendships. Um, there can be grief over the loss of familiar relationships. So perhaps something has happened in the family where now I'm not speaking to my mom, or now I'm not speaking to my dad, or it's been five years since I've talked to my brother or my sister, or, you know, cousin, aunt, uncle. Um, there can be grief from the loss of a job or a position, the loss of income, and there can be grief over the loss of self. So sometimes our our very existence, um, the way that we have come to look at ourselves and define ourselves, we sometimes they are tied up in the relationships that we have with people. For example, um, and I, I willingly use the example of my former marriage where um, there was grief in this marriage on so many different levels. First of all, there was the grief of the, the marriage itself. Of um, you know, marriage should be a sense of pride, right? Where um, you know we have made this commitment to one another. We have taken our relationship to that next step. We have said these vow- vows before God. We have you know we we're 
we're supposed to be uh, committed to honoring them and honoring the promise that we made before God. And then not only that, especially in the black community, um, with so many homes that are broken and, you know, the father is absent or in some cases the mother is absent or in some cases both parents are absent and children are being raised by grandparents. Um, for me, marriage really is a stamp of pride in the black community that, hey, we, we've been able to take it to the next step and we're sticking it out. And, you know, we have this two parent household, you know, we're doing this. So there was grief in, um, you know, the, the, the failed, you know, there being no success in the marriage, you know, the marriage failing. There was grief over the loss of this partner that had been in my life for 20 years. So, you know, like. Uh, Jamal Bryant referred the, the, the one statement he referred to where it says, you know, you go through these withdrawals, even when you can clearly see that the person or the situation isn't any good for you. This marriage and this person was no longer any good for me, it, not good to me, nor good for me. That, you know, there were choices and decisions that were made that were completely devastating. Amen. And that really, um, the, the enemy really tried to use to destroy me, but yet, um, because of, you know, my emotions and my feelings and my heart and my time and my money, <laughs> amen, being so invested in the person and just the love it, that I had for the person himself, um, there was grief over that loss. Um, you know, like I have stated before, I've been with this person since I, since I was 17 years old. Essentially, we had grown up together, number one. And then number two, we're looking at a relationship that had lasted. I had been with this person for more, most of the years of my life. I met him when I was 17. We had been together for 20. So you do the math, 20 years versus the 17 years I lived, you know, where we were not in a relationship. So the idea of losing this person, the idea of not being with this person, um, the, the, the loss of that, I grieve that. Um, not to mention the loss of family where um, all our children had known up to that point was a two-parent household, was a home with two parents who were, for the most, you know, for most of their lives anyway, were married and in a committed relationship where mom and dad live in the same house. And we, we, we didn't have a situation where, you know, there were breakups and he would move out or, you know, I would leave or, you know, any of those type of situations. We were in a, we were in a marriage in a committed relationship. We lived together and that's all our kids knew. So, um, not only did the, this breakup of the marriage, you know, was there grief over that and then the, the, this loss of partnership, but then there was also grief over the loss of my family and the destruction of, you know, of, of my family. Um, and then there was the loss of me. So again, being that I stepped into my adulthood, um, as you know, this person's partner and then eventually becoming his wife. And so therefore embracing, um, an identity that belonged to that. But not only that, the woman that I had become was all hinged on, you know, you know, being married to this person, uh, my identity as a teacher and just the name that I had become to, you know, be known as in the community, even as a minister, um, you know, the, we all know, especially in the black community, like your name carries weight because of our 
um, ancestry and, you know, you know, stemming from slavery, we, we, we find value in our name. And so, um, I had become a, a person under that, that name. And not only that, but my identity had been formed as wife, mother, teacher, minister. And parts of that was really wrapped up in my relationship with him and my marriage to him. And so now as we're seeing um, that obviously it's not God's will for this marriage to continue, um, you know, the fear behind walking away from it all and then not only that, you know, what do I look like without this person? Um, for for many years, I I don't even think I had a name. I was known as his girl. <laughs> and so, you know, now it's like I'm forced to step into this territory of the unknown of continuing a life that is lived outside of him. And so there was a lot of grief, you know, just not even so much over the hurt and pain from the decisions and the choices that were made, but it was everything that was tied to it. And in a divorce, not only do you lose, um, you know, the marriage, not only do you lose the partnership, not only do, do your children lose their semblance of family and home, but also there was a loss of relationship in, you know, the family members that I was connected to, you know, from being married to him. So you figure now, this this unknown territory and this weirdness of I'm no longer his wife so does that mean that you are no longer my mother-in-law you're no longer my sister-in-law etc hopefully when we find ourselves in these situations we're we're in a situation with people who are like oh you know you you're still my this you're still my that regardless of you know what has transpired and the fact that there is a divorce and you're not married anymore because we always have to remember that once kids are involved well you're still my kids aunts and you're still my kids uncle or, or grandmother grandfather and etc so when when a divorce happens there's a lot of loss that's involved and um no different than any of the traumatic experiences that we find ourselves in um, we have to be able to process and deal with and acknowledge and accept the pain that stems from it so that we don't become bitter, so that we don't become angry, so that the walls don't go up, so that um, animosity and you know tension and all these different things that the enemy would like to come in to try to destroy whatever relationships are left even the relationship of my kids with, you know, their dad. Now, now this has a different look to it because they experience hurt behind what has been done. And so I want to flip back to, um, you know, the scriptures that I've given. Um, I, I want to start with the first scripture was, which was the one in second Corinthians chapter one, verses three through, through four, where it talks about how God is the God of all comfort. He comforts us in our tribulation, in our in our troubles, in our trials. But he does so with the purpose that when we have received his comfort, and meaning when we have when he has came in and consoled us, he's encouraged and strengthened us. Now we can go and be comfort to those in their time of trouble, in their time of distress, in their time of tribulation. Says that um that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the same comfort 
with which we were comforted by God. Now, there's a, um, we know that the Bible has many tra- different translations. I am always reading from the New King James Version. I do like to reference the message version because I believe that it gives the scripture in a, um, you know, kind of plain terms way. So this particular scripture, when you read it, it can, you know, kind of like tie your tongue up a little bit. So I, I looked up the message version and it says, all praise to the God and father of our master, Jesus, the Messiah, father of all mercy, God of all healing counsel. He comes alongside us when we go through hard times. And before you know it, he brings us alongside someone else who is going through hard times so that we can be there for that person, just as God was there for us. You have probably heard it said, um, if you've spent any time in church, that the things that we go through are not always for us. Sometimes they're for other people. When we go through things, when we have trials and and tribulations, when we experience traumatic events and we allow God to come in and to comfort us and console us and, you know, strengthen us and build us back up after we've experienced, you know, whatever it is we've gone through. Now it is a perfect opportunity for him to take us and our pain and give it a purpose to be able to comfort those who are either in our same situa- type of situations or circumstances or similar. We are now able, and what he wants us to do is we he wants us to take that same comfort that we receive from him, and he wants us to be a vessel to give it to someone else. And so when I look at what um, you know I went through last year with my divorce, I look at how God has been able to take that pain, how he's been able to take my loss, he's been able to take my grief, and now he's able to use it to minister to others in their pain and in their grief and in their loss, to be an encouragement to them and a testimony to say, I went through this, it almost destroyed me, but it didn't. It tried to kill me, but it didn't. It tried to steal my joy, it tried to steal my peace, It tried to steal the hopes of me loving again. It tried to steal my ability to open up my heart and to be able to trust again, but it didn't. And when we testify the right way, I can't tell you that it's because, you know, my therapist gave me all the right things, you know, to, to, to do or, you know, activities to participate in to make me feel better. I can't take any credit for it to say that I pulled myself up by my own bootstraps that I am strong, that I'm resilient, because I'm not, and I wasn't. I was weak. I was a mess. I I felt destroyed. I was devastated. Um, it was the worst thing that had ever happened to me in my life. But God, it says that he will bring you alongside someone who is going through hard times so that you can be there for that person the same way that God was there for you. It was nobody but God. Yes, there were people in my life that were able to be his vessels, that were able to uh, pour out the consolation and the encouragement and to try to keep me uplifted and that were praying for me and interceding for me and reminding me of the promises of God and all of these different things. But it was all because of the grace of God. God was the one who brought me to that pain. And he was the same God who brought me through that pain. And he has brought me through it whole on the other side. Where I 
am able to walk in forgiveness, where I am able to not have bitter, bitterness or resentment in my heart. It was only God. And so now I can be a mouthpiece. I can be a vessel. I can testify of the goodness of God and how he is able to comfort and how he is able to bring us through. Um, another scripture that I referenced was Ecclesiastes chapter three, verse one. And it's really the entire chapter, but the first verse says to everything, there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. And if you go to um, that particular scripture, it goes through and it actually tells you it's, and it, it con compares and contrasts. So it, you can almost look at it like it's um, a positive and a negative where it goes through and it says a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal. So everything has a time and everything has a season. And what I like about the scripture, it says a time for every purpose under heaven. We have to remember that purpose does not belong to us in the sense that we don't create it. We don't make it manifest. We don't make it happen. If we are trusting God and we are aligned to his will, it's his purpose. Romans 8 and 28 says, and we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So everything is happening according to the purpose of God. And it's all going to happen in certain times and certain seasons. When we find ourselves having to take the L or take the loss, we oftentimes struggle in our humanity because it, because it is hard to let go. It is hard to accept loss. Even when we think about death, and this episode is not to focus on death, but even when we think about death, even when we have family members that um, are dying from diseases that are causing them to suffer, our uh, humanity and and when we think about what Jamal Bryant said about um, how you know like these breakups cause withdrawals withdrawals similar to a person who's not using cocaine we know that the person is suffering right we know that the person is hurting but the humanity in us doesn't want to let go and accept that that you know now is their time to die and it's because we really haven't wrapped our brain around or we really haven't received in our spirit that everything has a time everything has a season everything has a purpose so everybody has an appointed time to die amen and it doesn't mean that you're not supposed to grieve it's, it, do, it doesn't mean that um it's not going to hurt and it's not going to cause pain but how the enemy can use that against us where now we have these strongholds that are formed we are unable to can uh, you know we have to continue on in life but we still are stuck traumatized by the loss of that loved one is really accepting and understanding that God's timing, that his purpose is perfect. And even when it doesn't feel good, all things work together. Even when we don't like it, all things work together. Even when we don't, we don't want to imagine life without that person, all things work together. And then it doesn't help when the loss is, is, you know, they didn't die from natural causes that it seems like that just even intensifies the pain that we feel um, when they have to leave here. S same thing when we 
are in these situations where it's relationships, you know, whether it's, like I said, marriages or a, a relationship with a significant other, a familiar relationship, etc. Everything has a time and a season. And when you're in God, and when God, when you're allowing him to lead and guide you, and you're walking according to the steps that he's ordered, the seasons change. Sometimes we're in a season where it seems like we have the favor of God and he's answering every prayer and we can see his blessings, um, you know, quickly manifest. Sometimes we're in a season of suffering where we are going through a trial and a tribulation because he, it's something that he's trying to do in us. And sometimes attached to those seasons is the loss or the separation from a person. Sometimes it means that in this season I'm in, I can't be your friend. Or we can't be close like we were. We can't hang thick as thieves like we used to. Sometimes it may mean that in this season or in this next season that God is ready to take me into, you can't go with me. Um, I, I, I see it a lot being said that elevation requires separation. Sometimes when it's time for God to take me to that next place in him, you can't come. Now, you may reappear in a later season, but for this season, you can't come in this season with me. And because we're human and because our human feelings and our human emotions get attached, sometimes it is hard for us to let go. It is hard for us to accept to accept that God is creating separation, whether it's in the form of a divorce, whether it's in the form of a breakup, whether it's in the form of, you know, we're, we can't be friends right now, or even in situations where our time in a particular house of worship is up our our time and our season and our purpose in that place it, it is done what we have to understand is that when we are um, walking according to the steps that God has ordered there's grace for every season when we are yielding to him and we are being obedient to him and we are moving according to the steps he's ordered there's grace in that season even when it's a season of suffering amen God gives you the grace to go through if you will continue to surrender and submit, he will give you the grace. So in, in the season of my suffering last year, there was grace in, at every hand. There was grace in every turn. He's going to bring the right people in my path to pray and to intercede and to console and to strengthen and to encourage me. There's grace to go through um, where, you know, I again, if you've been in church, you've heard it said, you don't look like what you've been through. You went through the fire, but you don't smell like smoke. That's not because of me or anything that I did. But it was because there was grace with it. As I went through, as I, um, you know, continued, even in the midst of extreme hurt and pain, continued to trust God, continued to try to look to him, continued to try to lean on him, there was grace in that season. He had grace for that season. Once that season is up, amen, now the grace is moving to the next season. And so if you're in a situation where he has shown that it is, that the time is up for this relationship, this marriage, this friendship, but you don't want to let it go because your humanity thinks that it knows better, now the, there is no grace in that place. And so if you decide to stay in that relationship, if you decide to stay in that marriage, if you decide to continue to deal with that friend, or whatever the situation may be, you stay in that house of worship, you you better believe <clears throat> that you are now prone, and not that the enemy does not attack when you're under grace, because he does, but his attacks are intensified, 
and the grace of God is not there to cover. The, now, God is not going to leave you stranded per se, but the grace where you can go through and as people watch you go through, it looks like you're going through with ease. It looks like you're able to handle what's being thrown at you. It looks like you're able to deal with it and still have a smile on your face, still have a praise on your lips, still have your hands lifted in the air. Glory to God. That grace is gone. To give you that uh, real life example in, in the situation with my ex last year, had I chose, because there was a time where I was still willing to accept and forgive and work it out and try to stay in it, but the timing, the expiration date had come and God had released me from it and it was time to move on and to move beyond it and to move out of it. But if I had chose to stay, if I had chose to try to stick it out, anything that would have been happening would have been a result of my disobedience because the grace in that season was was gone. If I had decided to try to work out my marriage, if, if it was a situation where, you know, he, he agreed to work it out, but yet he's still over here, you know, uh, being unfaithful, well, I opened up the door for that. God graced me. He let me find out the things I needed to know. He let me, um, you know, discover things that need to be uncovered. He revealed what needed to be revealed. He showed me that the time was up. It's time to move on. He made the way of escape. And if I don't take it, then I can't look and say, oh, God, why are you letting this happen to me? Because I did. I was not obedient. I didn't yield to the will of God. And so he is not obligated under that situation to grace me to go through whatever is going to come at me because I decided to stay or because I still want to deal with you as my as my friend or because you still my boyfriend and because I just can't let you go. We oftentimes hurt and, you know, continue to be the wound continues to be, you know, salt gets poured in the wound because we stay past the expiration date. God says the time is up. The season is over. It's time to move on to the next thing. I'm taking you into a new place. I'm taking you into a, a new thing. I, um, one of the scriptures that I've shared um, is in Isaiah where it says that the, the Lord is doing a new thing. He's seeking to do a new thing. Shall you? And it says, shall you not know it? So when we're in God and when we're trusting God and we, you know, we're, we have our eyes on him like Peter walking on the water and we're yielding to him and allowing him to give us revelation and clarification there's discernment we, we are supposed to be able to see what god is doing isaiah chapter 43 verse verses 18 through 19 do not remember the former things nor consider the things of old the past is left to be the past that season is up that situation is done it says, behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? Will you not discern it? Can't you see what I'm doing? Can't you see how I'm moving? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And so where, where you feel like, you know, especially coming, you know, out of a season of suffering and it, it feels like everything is just dead and just dry and just everything is you know has been destroyed i said it's like a bomb going off and everything's been ob ob obliterated he says that but when i'm doing a new thing i can make rivers in the desert amen he, that scripture says um and i lost it um you know 
uh, like it says in Genesis, is there anything too hard for God? He says he can make a road in the wilderness. So when you feel like you, you're you in a season where you feel like you're lost and you're wandering and you don't know which way to go, when it's, when he's ready to move you to that next place, when he's ready to move you to that next season, he'll make a road so you'll know clearly which way you need to take. When you feel like you're in that dry place, he will m- make a river in the desert. If that's what it takes to get to move you into the next place of purpose. And I've said in almost every episode that our broken spaces and our broken places, they hinder us from being able to fully live an abundant spiritual life. They hinder us from being able to truly elevate in God and walk in purpose. So these this is an example like when we have these losses in our lives where we are um, unable to let go and we're unable to move on it hinders us from being able to go into the next season had I decided to go against the will of God and remain in that marriage and try to force something that obviously was no longer meant to be now God can't bring me in this new season this new season where um, there's further revelation of my purpose where um, new things have been birthed and he is yet and still still birthing things I wouldn't have been able to make it into this season so what does that look like well for me now there is um, a a type of death that takes place in me because I'm not no longer able to continue in the path of purpose because I'm stuck here and so Many of you may be able to identify that in yourself where you've gotten stuck in some grief, some hurt, some loss, some trauma. And now the things that you were once passionate about, the purpose that God may have revealed in you and showed you, you're not even doing it anymore. It's not something that is burning in you or the the first thought in your mind. I was telling a friend earlier, ministry is is on my mind 24-7. But when we get stuck in these places, in these broken places, in these broken spaces, these places filled with hurt and sorrow and and um, distress, when we get stuck because we have not uh, yielded to God to be able to follow his steps that he's ordered, now there, there's a peace of purpose that dies. And, it's, and we feel it because, like I said, now we're no longer actively involved in doing whatever if, if we were already operating in purpose now it's like it's it gets cut off because the grace the grace is ready to move into the next season the grace is ready to move into the next place and so now we find ourselves with this baggage now not only are we dealing with this specific situation that we just can't let go of but now we we're dealing with the lot like like i mentioned the loss of self the loss of the person that we once knew who we who we had come to know ourselves to be and sometimes just like Saul who became Paul just like Abram who became Abraham God is looking to remake you he's looking to make you over he's looking to give you a new name because who you were amen is attached to that dead place who you were is attached to that dead season who you were is not who he needs to move on into the next season that season was meant to purge some of that off of me who who I had become in that marriage and in that relationship. And not that, you know, it was necessarily bad, but there were some things that when he's looking to mature you and he's looking to grow you and he's looking to give you further wisdom, the the old things have to be passed away. Behold, all things are made new. 
or just like the scripture in Isaiah um, said, don't consider the things of old. You got to let that go because I'm trying to do a new thing. So the I remember, um, you know, <clears throat> when I was kind of steep in the midst of this and hurting so bad and just feeling like I was unable to do, pray like I used to be able to pray and, you know, spend, I mean, I can spend hours in my word. It was like that person, I, it was like she did, it was like she didn't exist anymore. Now, I was moving along with the will and the plan of God like I you know woke up one day and it was like no it's it, you know this this is done and it's over um but it was still like that that Leanna it was like she I, I, I kept saying if I could just get back to who I was if I could just get back to who I was and over time God started to show me but I don't want you to get back to who you who you were because now I'm ready to deepen and I'm ready to strengthen and I'm maturing you and I'm growing you and I'm, I'm establishing you and I'm settling you. I'm perfecting you. So there are some good habits that have been formed, but now it's, ne- it's time to take it to the next level. There was a good foundation that was laid. Amen. But now it's time to kick it up a notch. And so I'm looking to re I'm looking to remake you. And one of the things that I'm learning in this new season is that I'm, I'm finding the balance. Amen between uh who I was and who I'm supposed to be I'm discovering who I am not only as a woman separate from this this past two decades of my life um not only am I finding out who I am um you know as I enter into a new age because I'm I'm almost hitting the big four zero but in ministry and in God, really defining and establishing who I am in him, not who the church says I could be, I should be, not who uh, my former mother-in-law thinks I should be in God, not who you say I should be in God, but God really dealing with me and showing me who I am in him. So in so many ways, there there's a loss of me that I, at one time I was really grieving and I was really struggling with, like, if I could just get back to her, I'd be good. If I could just get back to doing what she was doing, I'd be okay. And it was like, no, uh, no, Saul, I'm trying to move you over here because I want to give you a new name. And I, and I'm ready to show you what it is I really have for you to do. I'm really, I'm ready to really move you into this sphere of what it is I have called you to do independent of anyone's perception anyone's beliefs anyone i anyone's ideas of who they thought i was supposed to be in god how they thought my ministry would look how they thought um the steps would be played out god was saying a part of your new season is i'm developing you amen and so that's also something that you know we have to learn how to be okay with where there there's going to be if if we're really leaning on god and we're really trusting God, um, part of your purging and part of your pruning is that there's there's pieces of you that have to come off. And it doesn't always mean that they are bad parts. Yes, sometimes it's the ugly, icky, nasty, this can't go, this is not of me, we got to get that off of you. But then sometimes it's more of a growing and a maturing that, okay, you are not that that person anymore. There's we we're taking some pieces of you from from that so that we can build you into who I truly have called and ordained you to be. Um a lot of times when 
who experience these losses, whether it's like I said, a divorce, a breakup of a you know a relationship with a significant other, um, the loss of friendships, um, familiar relationships, where we you know fall out with spout uh, with um, family members and we're no longer speaking, um, the loss of um, the 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 family and the the sense of community and fellowship that we gain when we have a ch- uh, we're members of a particular church. Um, you know, loss of job, maybe it's a, um, you know, God is moving you on or he's promoting you, a void is left. Um, I don't even think I would have to go into the voids that were left once um, I realized that I had to get a divorce. There was, I mean, voids on so many levels. When we don't know how or learn how or discipline ourselves to do it God's way, we start to scramble to fill the void. We try to figure out ways to put things in those broken places, in those broken spaces, so that we, because what we want is we want to feel whole. We want to feel like we are complete. And so when we suffer loss, a lot of the times we fill a void. We feel like something is missing. And so we start to scramble and grasp at straws things that we can use to fill the void and sometimes it's you know uh, drinking smoking that kind of stuff eating and then sometimes it's we try to fill those voids with um, someone else Um, in that sermon one of the things I didn't uh, write down but I do remember Pastor Jamal Bryant saying was um, and I've heard it said you know a million times before that to get over someone you get under someone so it's like I'm trying to get over him over here so I'm gonna go and I'm gonna you know get underneath this one over here I can't tell you how detrimental that is and how it creates its own a whole different um, set of trauma and a whole different set of issues where now we're in a place where we're hurt all over again and then you're mad that you hurt all over again because it's kind of like, well, how am I letting you hurt me when I was already hurt by this one over here that I was with for forever? And, you know, I haven't been with you for two minutes. But yet, like he said, the pain of a breakup, whether it's a seven-year marriage or whether it's a 12-year marriage, 20-year relationship, or it's a three-month fling, sometimes the hurt feels like it's the same. And it's because we try to figure out a way to fill the void when God is the one who makes us whole and he is the one who makes us complete. Um, Even with friendships, we try to surround ourselves with people and we believe that we can find, they can make us complete and they can make us feel whole and they can make us feel needed and they can make us feel wanted and they can make us feel loved. A lot of the times that's what purpose is for. Purpose makes you feel like you have value. Purpose makes you feel like you are here for a reason. And we can find ourselves surrounding ourselves with, um, while it may be good intentions, but when it's it's not God's will, the enemy finds a way to twist it, to misconstrue it, to skew it, so that now slightly we have been shifted out of the will of God. Slightly we, have, we find ourselves off the path. Or like Peter, we didn't take our eyes off of him, and now we're caught up in looking at all of the distractions around us, and we're sinking because we're trying to fill a void. 
when we have those broken places and those broken spaces, we have to deal with what has caused them to be broken to begin with, and we have to let God heal it. And like uh, Shanika was saying last week, yes, therapy is a tool that God can use. Um, you know, I recommend it for people that have things that they have been carrying, especially if you have been things you've been carrying for years, to go and see a trained professional, uh, preferably if you're able to identify someone who's of the faith, so that not only are they able to use the tools and the strategies and the skills that they have in the profession, but along with their ability to uh, discern and pray and the knowledge of scripture can help you really begin to unpack that stuff and really begin um, to deal with it so that God can heal you because it, it's only God is the only one who possesses that ability. Um, like I keep continue to quote first uh, Peter chapter five, verse, I believe it's verse six, cast your care on him because he cares for you. Then there's another scripture that talks about how we can boldly go, and I think that's in Hebrews, where we can boldly go to the throne of grace to receive mercy and obtain grace in our time of need. Like he, the Lord wants us to come to him because he's the one who has the answers. He's the one who is able to help us work through the grief, help us accept um, his time, accept his purpose, accept when it that he wants to move into a, a new season. He's the one that can help us to really let go and to deal with those things. Um, <clears throat> we, we have to, so not only do we have to learn to let go when the seasons are up, but we have to learn how, and I know it sounds cliche, but we have to learn how to let go and let God. We constantly want to have our hands on it. We, we want to manipulate it. We want to try to get it to go the way we want it to go. And all we do is mess it up. <laughs> we put our hands on things we put our hands in things our two cents and our opinions and we mess it up because we are working to god is uh, omniscient which means he's all-knowing and he can see the bigger picture so he knows how this particular thing plays into the grand scheme of his purpose remember romans 8 and 28 we, we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So God can see the bigger picture and not just the bigger picture concerning you. When I talked about how um, had I chose to stay in that marriage, I wouldn't have been able to move into the new season so that the, all these things that God has birthed and is birthing the podcast and um, other things that he's, that he's, you, you know, doing through me and, and in me and, and using me to do, they wouldn't have been possible. So for every person who listens, because like it, if we go back to the Corinthian scripture, he's going to bring you alongside someone else who's going through hard times so you can be there for them the way he was there for you. As I'm, as he's using me to be there for all, whoever it might be that has, that is going through, has gone through, who's trying to heal. Well, if this isn't birth, if this doesn't happen because I didn't make it to the season, not, you're a part of the bigger picture. Anyone who listens to this is blessed by this, is helped by this, you're a part of that bigger picture. So if I'm over here in my disobedience, hell-bent and determined to stay in this marriage and can't move into the next season, this can't be birth. this can't happen. And so how does that affect the bigger picture? How does that affect, as they say in business, the bottom line? How does that affect you? 
all of the people that are attached to um, my purpose, his purpose in me and the ministry that he has for me, how, when we don't do what we're supposed to do, how does it affect those that are connected to me? Let's draw it even closer. Had I not been obedient and moved into this season and stayed in that situation, which as you can, we can all imagine, I would imagine would have been very toxic. How does that affect my children? How would that have affected my children? What, how would that have altered their path? What would that have looked like for them? How would it affected the, all the other people that were connected in the event that I stayed and tried to make it out? I mean, make, to make it work out. And so we move into the new season to comfort those with the same comfort we've been given. And so moving into the new, the new season, it's the bigger picture. It's the scope of the bigger picture that we do not possess the ability to be able to see. And God does that to keep us humble and continue and keep us in reliance and dependency on him so that when things are happening and we can see his hand on our life and we can see the grace that that is attached to us as we go, as we move from season to season, as we move from time to time, we give glory to him. We don't boast in ourselves. We don't glory by ourselves. You know, so many people wanted to say to me, you, you know, you're so strong. No, I wasn't. <laughs> And no, I'm not. I was weak. And what the strength that you saw is what um, Paul referred to in Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 and 10, that in when I'm weak, God's strength is made perfect, that his grace is sufficient. So that grace that he gives us in each se- season is enough. We don't need anything more. All we need is the grace of God as we go through. All we need is the grace of God as we unpack boxes. All we need is the grace of God as we um, try to deal with the things that we have gone through and um, attempt to go to the throne to be healed. Like the scripture in, and I want to find it, it's Hebrews, I think it's chapter 4 maybe, Um, but that scripture says that, you know, we can i think that's the scripture that's talking about how jesus is our advocate yep uh so it's chapter four starting at verse 14 seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens jesus the son of god let us hold fast our confession for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses but was all points but in all was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin so he is able to comfort us because he has been there he was in flesh he came as a human he was tempted he's you know he suffered he was hungry he you know all these different things he cried he was you know stressed all of these things just without sin so our advocate our high priest he can comfort us and like second corinthians chapter 1 3 verse 3 through 4 says that the same comfort that he gives us now he wants us to give to someone else but chapter 4 verse 16 says let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need and so that is the key people of god the key is learning to come to the throne casting our cares and receiving grace for the for um when we are in our times of need when we need help god has the grace for us if we look to him
God has some grace for that season if we if we follow the steps that he ordered for us. And um, Matthew chapter 5, verse 4, Joel chapter 2, verse 25, when we are mourning or grieving, we can rest assured that we will be comforted. And God, we remember that Jesus uh, left the Holy Spirit as our ultimate comfort comforter to um, encourage us as we're going through to, you know, kind of spur us along and remind us to, you know, keep persevering and to endure the things that we're going through. And not only will he comfort us, but he will restore what has been lost. He, you know, just like Job, he'll give us double for our trouble. All that was destroyed, all that was lost in, in the last season, all those L's that I thought I was taking, hallelujah, as I move into a new season, um, it was replaced with things that were bigger, it was replaced with things that were better, but it was replaced with things that were needed and able for me to be able to move into this season and the purpose that's, that's accompanying it. And so that's the encouragement that I have to you, that as you learn to um, seek the Lord and seek his face and yield to him and submit those things to him know that he has grace for you and that he is going to comfort you in your grief and he will um, restore all that you have that you all the ills you've taken <laughs> um, if you take an ills for Jesus you better believe that he's going to restore them you, we take ills in the world every day as they as they say you know and, and for those of you that don't know taking an ill means taking a loss we take L's every day in the world. The difference when we take L's in, in Christ is that he'll restore. And when he restores, he doesn't just kind of give you like an eye for an eye. He he restores everything that you lost and he, he restores it double. Or he may give you tenfold or he may give you a hundredfold. He's going to give you above and beyond. He is going to do exceedingly and abundantly more than you could ever think of or ever ask. And I'll tell you, in moving in obedience and be, and allowing him to take me into this new season, he has restored all that I've lost. He's given me double for my trouble. He's given me bigger. He's given me better. And he's get, he has given me exceedingly and abundantly above anything that I ever could have, mag- could have imagined. And so, Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, we thank you and we praise you. We lift you up and we magnify your name. Oh, God, we just thank you that you are the God of restoration. We thank you, Father God, that you sent your Holy Spirit to comfort us in our in our um, rough times, in our times of grief, in our times of sorrow, in our times of sadness and loss, Lord God. We thank you that in our weakness, your strength is made perfect. We thank you that all things work together for the good of those that love you and are called according to your purpose. Oh God, continue to heal us, continue to deliver us, continue to set us free. Continue, oh God, to help us deal with those things that lie within us. Help us to surrender them to you, to cast our care upon you because you care for us. Help us, oh God, to come boldly to the throne of grace, to uh, obtain mercy and to receive grace in our time of need. And when it is all said and done, we will be uh, careful to give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. These things and all things we ask in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, I pray that this has blessed you and that this has helped you and that it has given you some things to really uh, reflect on and to pray about. And I'm praying for anyone who um, you found yourself taking L's. 
Uh, maybe you took some L's that you, you haven't been able to move beyond, and I'm praying that God will give you the strength to be able to, to cast your care on him um, so that he can comfort you and he can restore all that has been taken away. Until next time, be blessed.